Metallica. Here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Michael Wagner, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 127. We're going to go right back into exploring the big four. And uh, this was a little bit requested after our Among the Living episode. We're going to do Sound of White Noise. The, uh, I was surprised the Among the Living episode was the most popular uh, Explore the Big Four episode we've yeah. done. And uh, I had a blast listening to that. Indians Remains, my favorite yeah. Anthrax song. But uh, we thought that because this is the only band of the Big Four that went through such a big change in terms mm-hmm. of their lead singer, that we'd go to the John Bush era and listen right. to... Another beloved Anthrax record, right? It is. I mean, th- I, I believe this might be their... I know it's their highest charting record. Probably sold the most. Um, this was a pretty big record in the early 90s. Joey Belladonna's back in the band, though, right? Yes. John. So Joey Belladonna came back after John Bush did a few records. Um, then they briefly did like a year or two with John Bush again. And then, then they did this like Among the Living anniversary tour where it was like that lineup. Mm-hmm. And then Joey Belladonna stayed after that. Did they play Indians? I'm quite positive. They did. They did a whole tour of playing that whole record. From I wonder the back. if it's weird for Joey Belladonna that the highest charting album of their illustrious career is from an era in which he was not. In he the was band. not there. When he, he was fired too. So what was he fired for? Creative differences. Because he was an Indian. <laughs> he didn't cry hard enough for the Indians. Not not hard enough. Nope. Well, because who was it that called him Indian Joe? <laughs> was one of the facts we looked up? I think his mom was Native American or something. Right. Something like that. Right. Well, okay. Well, we're going to get into that. If you're joining us for the first time, yes, we are an all Metallica podcast, but we have been doing this series called uh, Metal Up Your Podcast Explorers of the Big Four. We've done... Uh, Season of the Abyss. Season of the Abyss, Countdown to Extinction. Yeah. Among the Living. Among the Living. And now we're going to do this one. So we're still kind of early days in this. Yeah. We get requests all the time to do other records, you know, particularly bands that are considered... Uh, people think that they were maligned for not being included in this, like Exodus or Testament. Yeah, they right. were sort of early Bay Area thrash bands. Yeah. But then there was also people who wanted us to do Pantera records. And, right, yeah. And, of course, the Hulk Hogan record. That's a must. Um, we're going to do all that, but first got to nail these uh, big four albums to the wall, right? Yeah, yeah. Or at least the big ones. At least, yeah, the main ones. Like, there's a couple John Bush-era records they did, like Stomp 442 is one of them. Um uh, I think one called They've Come For Us All, I think. Uh, and they're good, but, I mean, I still think this is the best John Bush record. Right. I do want to do the uh, what's considered the Load Reload era Megadeth record. Oh, Risk. Yeah, that one's uh, that's a tough listen. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Though. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> and of course, we have other Metallica content coming. We're going to do our, we're going to follow up our Unload episode with Paul Moak, where we sequence our Unload mm-hmm. album, which yep. we've gotten great response from that episode also. Um, we're going to be talking to Chad Zamish, James's guitar tech. We're going to have Jay Weinberg back on after the New Zealand stuff. We've got all sorts of other shit to do. Yeah. And we still have to do uh, album listens through, through like Garage Inc., St. Anger. Right. Um, all that stuff. How do so, you think we did Kill Em All yet? We haven't done like Kill Em All. Yeah, we haven't done Kill Em All. Yeah. We haven't done Puppets either. 
No, it seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, the reason we are meeting here at HQ2, by the way, we're here in my studio. Thank you for coming by. Of course. Um, is I've got a crazy week. If you're hearing this, it's already happened, but I'm playing Fox and Friends mm. in New York on Friday. We're leaving Fox and Friends and getting on a plane and flying to Montana. Oh, dang. What uh, somewhat satanic shirt are you going to wear on Fox and Friends? You know, we did another conservative-type show recently. I don't want to say what it was. And um, some of my friends were like, are you going to like try to stick it to the man? Like, What are you going <laughs> to try to do? I'm like, man, I'm not trying to lose my job. So right, yeah. I'm going to go in and smile and nod and work with these people and do my best. Yeah. And- well, it's very big of you. I will be wearing a ring with a pentagram on it, though. Okay. I wore a ring. Um, I don't. I, I really don't want to say what the last show was, but I play country music for a living. But I did wear my um, pentagram ring and my my pentagram pendant. Okay. It's obscured <laughs> with all the clothing and all that. But, right. Yeah. But, but I was like holding it down. You it's know? like a deep cut. Yeah. Someone's really paying attention. It's, it's like, like that thing that came out recently where Morrissey performed on Fallon or something. Mm-hmm. And he had some pin on his jacket, and it turned out to be this like super far right uh, wing guy, and that uh, was part of Brexit or something. I don't yeah. know. A lot of people were tore up about it, but wow, some noticed. But that's Morrissey fans. They're like, they probably screenshot everything, zoom in, and look at every detail right. he's wearing and stuff like that. But you might have fans like that. You don't know. I'm positive that I do. I mean, I do know. I'll be zooming in. So. <laughs> I'll be wearing my edible satanic underwear, and you won't be able to see it. You'll just be able to smell it. Unless you like turn around and lean over to, you know, you dropped your pick or something, and you see a little thong with like the devil horns on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, before we get into the John Bush era, Sound of White Noise, Anthrax record, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. If you like the show, go leave us a review on iTunes. I believe we're at 400 reviews now. I think we hit it. And speaking of, uh, someone, I don't know if we're going to read this email on the show. We are. We are. Okay, well, we'll we'll wait for it then. Yeah, someone wrote in that we're going to continue our discussion about the iTunes that we started with Paul. Yeah. Um, It seems like we may have prematurely freaked out. (laughs) I I was a little freaked out for a few days. I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, I can't believe this. I can't even support a band. But we'll get to that in a sec. Yep. Um, So anyway, good good news. You can go leave us the review, whether it's on the iTunes app now or a podcast app later. Right. Leaving this review goes a long way. It's the easiest way to support the show. If you really, if sincerely, if you like the show and you haven't left a review, then you're kind of a butthole. What can I say? What a jerk. (laughs) For real though, it's easy to go do. If you really like the show and you're able to donate to what essentially amounts to a cup of coffee a month. You can donate to the show. You can do that at Patreon. You'll hear a commercial about it later. In the meantime, we want to thank these three new patrons, Ethan. We've got some new ones. We have Sebastian O'Brien, Eric Gorman, and Donnie Mishal. Minshaw. Thanks, guys. We love the support over at Patreon. We love it. Thank you. We give them some clapping. My wife is uh, studying for her master's degree in the other room. I'm sure she's loving that. She's like, are they clapping for themselves? Sorry. In there? <laughs> no, she's We're fine. clapping for her studying for that. No, she's she's almost done. That's amazing. And to celebrate her graduating in August, we are going on a 12-day trip to Japan. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah. I've never been. I'm sure you've been many times. I've been once. On your various travels and tourings. It was before I was nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I've been there one time, three different cities, and it, it's amazing. I assume you're, you're going to go to Tokyo? Oh, yeah, Tokyo, dude. Okinawa. Uh, she's got the whole itinerary. Awesome. You, you guys are going to have a blast, dude. It's amazing. One of my gifts to her, and this is a sincere gift, was um, when we're in Japan, we can literally, for the entire time, do whatever the fuck you want. Right. 
So um, she's planning it all. Awesome. She's, we may she's be, tour manager. We may be jumping out of a balloon. She's the tour manager for that trip. Hey, I, you know, I don't do well without a tour manager. My wife these does the days. same thing. When we go on vacations, I don't plan anything. Yeah. I just, I'm just there in, with a smile on my face. Right. She plans it all out. And I'm, that's great. I love yeah, it. Love it. Totally. Now, here are the cool things about the Patreon that I will say is we're doing Metal Tales from the Road. The boys are kicking back up another another 10 or 12 days of touring. We've released the Slain Castle. By the time you're hearing this, we will probably have also done Brussels. I think they're in Amsterdam, Amsterdam as we're recording this. currently. So the way to get involved with that is by being a patron. If you're a patron and you're going to any of these shows on the European or the New Zealand Australian tour, if we have a slot open, you can come on the show, be an ambassador for the show, tell us your whole Metallica story, what you think about St. Anger, all that. When this tour is over, which it sadly will be probably ending this year, the worldwide yeah, cycle. I mean, we were briefly talking about that when I came over here. Yeah. I mean, they haven't announced anything post Australia, New Zealand. I mean, right. they'll still, I know they'll still keep up with content, you know, on social media and stuff like that, just to kind of keep us around. But yeah, I mean, I think that might be back in the studio time after that time off and then recording yeah. maybe and the lucky thing for you all out there in metal Every podcast land is if the boys take time off we won't be so we'll be opening up these metal tales to past shows that you went to so maybe you went to i mean woodstock 99 is taken by our friend gene Froman, but maybe you went to one of the orion festivals or some right. cool show or whatever maybe even just a normal boring show you can come on the show and tell us about it. Another thing we're doing over there is we are giving away two tickets to SNM two on September eighth in San Francisco. Two tickets to SNM. Wow. Pack your bags. You can meet James Hetfield. Don't forget your violin. Don't forget your walk. <laughs> you think Kirk travels with like extra wah pedals in his personal luggage just in case? In his backpack. Just in case the tech didn't come through. Oh, I know he travels with Greeny, like exclusively. So right. you got to have a wah to go with it. Right. I would imagine. They have to actually like put his wife like if they're traveling on a big boat, sh- they have to put her like in the cargo area because the greenie must come to him within his cabin. That's right. And there's yeah. no room for both of them. No, it has, it, the greenie gets its own bed. Right. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what greenie is, it's the two million dollar plus Les Paul that was owned by Peter Green that Kirk owns. It's definitely a collector's item, and yet he still play, he plays it out on the road. I love it. I think that's <laughs> all great. Over the world. Um. You can go to melodypodcast.com and hear all the other podcasts we've been on. You can buy our merch, the uh, OG logo, the Dagger logo. It's all there. The new Lunar Satan Jam is upon us. Ooh, um, it and, won't, it, and you're getting a live drummer on this one. We're getting Brian King from Reality Suite. He's actually drumming on it as we speak. That's amazing. That's so cool. If it turns out well, and I think it will, I'm going to have old Paul Moak mix it. Ooh. And then we're going to have a legitimate Lunar Satan Jam. That would be amazing. When that song drops which will be any day now uh we're gonna start a lunar satan t-shirt campaign too yeah that, i think we're overdue for that now we're on the socials you know what those are right so are you familiar with social media Ethan? social media hmm. is that like uh you interview people outdoors or something it's I don't funny really you say know. that that's exactly what it is you interview people outdoors social media okay cool it's, it's a very very tied to nature and the, yeah, the, okay. the great outdoors nature. is what i call them yeah nietzsche yeah so <laughs> We're on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, all that stuff. Um, there was one uh, podcast thing that I guess uh, we got an email about it, and I submitted it, and it's there now. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It's like if it's built into your car's entertainment system or whatever. We should be available on all those things. By the way, another thing that's available 
on all these platforms is Cover Our World Black in Volume 1 and 2. It's on the new iTunes, the old iTunes, the future iTunes that we can't even imagine yes, yet. Yes, the iTunes that is embedded um, in your brain. Unfortunately, it is on Spotify, like Amazon, wherever you buy or stream music. You can get our first two cover EPs. Right. Volume three is also imminent. It's on the way. And I would highly recommend just going to our website, milbypockets.com. You mm-hmm. can buy it directly there. Both of them each for five ninety eight. Someone bought both EPs just this morning. I saw that. It yeah. was eleven bucks. Amazing. Well, some good sauce there for eleven bucks. Yeah, that's what, sixteen songs? Uh there's a little bit of news. I thought this was funny. So Metallica famously recently played Sling Castle, estimated seventy five thousand tickets sold. Hello. That's a couple. They made a grip of change, as you might say. Yeah. A lot of shillings. Some shillings? Is yeah. that the currency over there? And... Most likely. Yeah. I've been there a few times. I'm pretty sure it's still shillings. They just paid them in sacks of coins. Yeah, that sounds super medieval. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Metallica, on your 75,000 tickets sold. I trust a sack of shillings is appropriate, yes? You estimate that as fair? <laughs> we'll pull the truck around right now. Uh, my guy's not Irish at all. No, neither is mine. Mine's just more medieval. Pleases me to pay you in a in a bag of coin. <laughs> mm, we don't count it. No, we weigh it. How about a bag of shillings? How about a bag of your potatoes? That was like Papa was over in Ireland. Crap. <laughs> well, I went over there to Belfast one time, tried to go to St. Castle, but uh, couldn't get a hold of Jason or Brantley because I was uh, tied up and. And uh, because Bono sent me a picnic basket. Well, speaking of picnic baskets. So I guess you two live in some... Or they're originally from around that area. Around Belfast. Um, well, that Sling Castle is closer to Dublin. Oh, um, is it? Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know why I keep thinking Belfast. Belfast is part of Northern Ireland. Um, Welcome to Geography Lessons with one Mr. <laughs> Grammy-nominated Ethan Luck. Uh, it's, yeah, so the U2... Meath. Is it Meath, Ireland? Sure. Okay. That sounds great. That's, okay, that cool. sounds like a place well, like Castle so, would be in. Whatever. You two, they're from fucking Ireland. They're Everyone from Ireland, knows yeah. it. And uh, they sent the boys, because you two has famously played Slane Castle in, in a Barn Burner DVD called Live from Slane Castle right. on the Elevation Tour that I just can't recommend highly enough. Yeah. Even if you're not a big U2 fan, you will watch that concert DVD and get goosebumps, you'll probably mm-hmm. even shed a tear. I'm being serious. Yeah, that's oh, great. I've seen it. So anyway, um, they being in a very small group together, being maybe one of the five biggest bands in the world yeah. with the Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney. And only one show a year happens there. So. Um, they sent they sent the boys a, a token, and it was a picnic basket. A picnic basket. Now, what was in it? Mm. Mm. Several sacks of coins. Did dare to speculate? <laughs> maybe a couple sandwiches. Or maybe like a... Bottle of um, wine. Maybe we're going about this all wrong. Maybe what was in it was like a cut-off horse head a la The Godfather. Yeah. And uh, maybe it was kind of a don't fuck with my slain castle vibe. Like get off our turf. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Bono seems like that kind of guy. Why don't you go back to Marin County, bitch? Yeah. Maybe that's what it said. This is our county, motherfucker. It was like a wah pedal that was just like ripped apart. It's broken wires ripped out. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the it was like a broken headstock with blood on it from a uh, ESP explorer. A snake bite or something. Yeah. Yeah. And and then an actual snake in it too. Wow. They put a cobra in there. <laughs> They put a they put a member of the Cobra Kai in there. Yeah, it was Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, they put Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence is in there. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Not his head, his his whole body. He, yeah, he's, he's it's still in there. In addition, alive, in yeah. addition to a massive decapitated, cut off horse head. Yes, 
and um, the wah pedal and the guitar. Yeah, yeah. So it's very a, thoughtful, though. It's super thoughtful and super nice of them. Another thing that's in the news. Now, this is kind of clickbaity type shit, but we're an all Metallica podcast. So let's talk about it anyway, because we're also going to be doing a lot of talking about Anthrax here. In it's a second. clickbaity, but I, I, I like the possibility of this. There's a there's rumors that they might do a Garage Inc. too. Right, like someone kind of asked Lars about it, and his he was kind of like, well, "Don't rule it out." It was like he one said, of those. It, it was in that Kerrang article. You'll have to look. You'll have to look. It and, said, uh, "Wait around." Yeah, it's like just wait and see is what it was. But you that's know, kind of, that's a that's a pretty heavy tease, though. Like, hey, man, like, well, think about it too. I mean, this is the year that they seem to be getting in touch with what they did twenty years ago. They're right. revisiting S and M. Right. You know, Saint Anger too. Oh boy, is that next? But I mean. Of course, I would love to have another Metallica record original album next, mm-hmm. sooner than later. But who knows? Maybe you know when they've spent time at HQ recording, maybe old Bobby Rock showed up and they recorded some more covers. Wow! Now that How that cool would, would that, get, be? that would get me excited because I was going until you mentioned Bob Rock, the wonderful Bob Rock. Yeah, um, I was sitting here thinking, I don't think them doing covers now is going to have the power it did in '98. Right. I don't think I care anymore. But if Bob Rock's involved, if you tell me Bob Rock's is is uh, in the studio with him, that'd be pretty rad. I'm gonna get pretty excited. Yeah. So we'll see. What time will tell? What will happen? If you're telling me that Greg Fiddleman's gonna go with them and they're gonna do more Diamond Head songs, I don't think I give a shit about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll still listen to it, but I just, I mean, like I said before, I'd much rather have an, an album of all new material sooner, Same. sooner than later. Same. It's still fun to sort of get in the rumor mill a little bit. Yeah. Now, the easiest way, most direct way to get a hold of us is our we- our uh, email address, which is show at gmail.com. We read five. Today, we're going to read six because there was an interesting one I noticed at the yep. end okay. that I threw in the uh, notes here. And uh, usually from patrons, patrons get first priority when we read these. And uh, it's nice to take a, a dip into the Metal Up Your Podcast pond. Come join us, will you? Okay. Join us, will you, in the pond? For 13 shillings, one might please to be joined into the pond, yes. For 24 shillings, a sack of gold coins, <laughs> you can too join us. <laughs> Man, I forgot all about Way Your Crap. Way Your Crap was a... It came, you know, it came and went. It, yeah, it It was like, we, a, like a one-hit wonder kind you, of thing. We, I do feel like we spoil our audience a little bit because so many things that would have really <laughs> blown people away in the first year mm-hmm. just go almost completely... Like, the whole teleplay we did with Pawpaw and the Joyces. Yeah. When he was, like, seeing both Joyces. Right. No one really said anything about that. People were like, that's cool. No one really said anything about the Paul jingle. There was a few comments on the Paul jingle. People did like weigh your crap, but it did kind of have its time. It came and went. Yeah, it it it, it skyrocketed the charts real fast and fell off real quick. <laughs> I, I think I think the Paul jingle is a, is a is a slow climb. Okay, cool. But we've we've heard some feedback on it. It's positive. Okay. Cool. One person I believe on Instagram said that it was it was the best jingle. Oh, okay, I haven't so, seen that yet. Yeah. Okay, right on. Well, let's dip into some of these emails. I think you're going to lead us off first. I would love to. Our first email is from James Pottery. He says, guys, love the Among Living and Seasons in the Abyss episodes. Two great albums I grew up with. Please follow these with South of Heaven and Rust in Peace, my personal favorites of those two bands. Love the show, James. Headfield. What? James? Jimsies? James Potter, we know what that really means. Well, we're going to cover all those records. Uh, sorry we're not doing that next. We are, of course, doing uh, The Sound of White Noise today. Right. But let's see. What's he saying? 
please follow with South of Heaven and Rest in Peace. Yeah. What's your vibe on Rest in Peace? Rest in Peace is my favorite Megadeth record. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. I, I, I wanted to start with Counted Extinction because that maybe commercially was a little more successful. And uh, I was also taking your feelings into consideration. And I thought maybe Clint will dig this more, you know, <clears throat> mid-tempo stuff. <clears throat> it wasn't as thrashy. I definitely liked that record. I had a good yeah. time. I, I'm not in danger of listening to it again. Right. I and I know in that case, and maybe in the case with Julia Belladonna, I mean, the, the, the vocals are a, a big make or break for you. And also, and not to harp on it, but I think Dave Mustaine's an asshole. So I'm less... Did uh, someone I'm, say my name? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that like the magic? That's like the mag- rubbing a lamp three times. That's just calling him an asshole. He's like, mm, someone call. <laughs> I got Twitter ready to go. Yeah, my hands are a little clammy, but I'm here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for some high paid dirt high speed dirt pay. <laughs> Did I mention this on the show before that I think when Dave Mustaine or when I guess when we do our impression of him, it could also be Marge Simpson. Oh, Homer. It is kind of a Marge, isn't it? Bard, get off your skateboard. <laughs> oh, homie. Come in for dinner. Well, I had to go find him at Moe's. <laughs> he was drinking a flaming Mo. Remember the flaming Mo? Yeah. Um, okay. Thank Moving you, James. on. Thanks, James. Glenn Maynard says hi, Ethan, Clint, and Paul. He says, Good day from Melbourne, Australia. Good day. I just finished listening to the Unload episode and absolutely loved it. The rapport you three have when in a room together is amazing. It makes us listeners wish we were right in the room sharing a blackened whiskey with you all. He says, I played along during the episode with my selections and at the end had 12 of the 14 you selected. He said his two uh, that missed out were his 13th and 14th picks, which was the house that Jack built and Mama said. He says, so I feel we were somewhat on the same wavelength. I would agree with that. Thanks for continuing to pride us metal up family with endless entertainment, guys. We bloody love it. Super stoked to be doing the Metal Tales from the Road for the first Melbourne show. Cheers from Glenn from Seaford, Melbourne, Australia, New Jersey's. New Joy Z. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Glenn, whether it's you or I, but that that the Australia New Zealand dates are gonna be sick. Those are gonna be rad. Yeah, with slipdown opening, that's gonna be crazy. I've not really been hearing by the way, another episode we have coming up is where um our friend Darren Edwards is getting us hooked up with the lead singer of Bocasa. Oh, nice. So Bocasa is currently the first of three on the European tour. Right. So Bocasa yeah. and then Ghost, and then of course Metallica. Not really been hearing a lot about ghosts. I don't. I wonder if the sets are going okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, when I did the metal tales for Slanton Castle, the report on that was that people were into it, and the place was pretty full by the time Ghost played. Yeah, this I got the same uh, feedback when on the last round of shows the boys did yeah. on their first you know leg of the of the European tour. But it's just I'm not seeing like press about it. I mean, yeah. these are big big stadium shows. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, the Slipknot, I mean, Slipknot's bigger than Ghost. Yes. So the, the, those dates are going to be sick. And, of course, they all sold out in a freaking yeah, those... nanosecond. So they've added second shows a couple to a couple of the cities. And... and those poor Australians and Kiwis have waited, at that point, will be three years to see the band, you know, since their record came out. Right. It's like the, the, the anticipation for those shows has probably got to be huge. Now, our next email is from Tony Tambay. And also you... known as Tony Timbali. I made a jingle for Tony Timbale. I love it. And after I did that, this was maybe two and a half years ago. Yeah. He never wrote in again. Until. So I've never been able to use I made that jingle like two and a half years I ago. I remember that. All right, go All right, yeah. Uh, Tony says, hey, guys, just start listening to the new episode. 
Everything you discussed about iTunes was wrong. Which, by the way, that's not true. Not everything we said about it was wrong. That's an intense statement. We, we were under the assumption, based upon Paul's information, that there was going to be no more iTunes store. <clears throat> now, I guess we didn't really go into detail on, like, what, what does that mean for the podcast? What does that mean for... Well, just let's, let's finish his email and we'll talk about so it. So Tony says the iTunes app on the Mac is being split up into music, podcasts, Apple TV, and audiobooks are moving to the books app. The iTunes store remains. All of your CDs can still be uploaded. All your smart playlists, et cetera, remain. Nothing really changes. I'm a tech nerd, so, I, so I'm up on this stuff. I just wanted to e- ease your mind. Any more questions, just let me know. Thanks, guys. Tony. Which I appreciate that. So, And I, I actually looked into it this morning when I got that email. And essentially, if you're not going to... Ab- Grade your operating system, nothing's really going to change for you. Yeah. You're going to still keep the same iTunes that you have. The problem is, as they move forward into the, I think they're dropping it this fall, it's called Catalina, the new oh, right. iOS. Yeah. They won't be doing support for it. Yeah. If you, if you elect not to do the streaming, it'll still be a store where you can buy MP3s. Mm-hmm. Apparently, everything you've already owned, all the playlists you've made, et cetera, will right. all carry over. Right. They're promising a seamless carryover. Okay. What I would encourage you all to do is to wait uh, to change operating systems because there are always bugs. Mm-hmm. And I have, even before this crazy rigmarole, I don't know if you experienced this, but now everything automatically goes to the cloud. Right. And, for example, last night, I wanted to listen to Super Unknown. I bought the 30th anniversary bonus deluxe bullshit. Right. I go, I'm, on, I'm in bed on my headphones, and I go, the only song showing up in my phone is My Wave. Mm, okay. I go to click full album. It takes me to iTunes Music. I've already bought the f- fucking album, by the way. And yeah. by the way, it wasn't cheap. And also, by the way, wasn't the first time I bought that fucking record. Right. Maybe the fourth time I've bought Super Unknown. <laughs> yeah. In various formats. Sure, of course. And I don't, I can't figure it out. It won't show up. My little peep record. I love Little Peep. Mm-hmm. People who listen to my radio episodes know this. Only three of the songs from that record are showing up in my iTunes. I can't figure it out. Weird. So it's already got problems. Now, Tony is right. There's nothing to really... We were worried that like our MP3s would go away. They were going to just automatically push us to streaming. What was it going to mean for the reviews? Yeah. It does seem to be that, at least for now, if you don't change your operating system, you're fine. Windows users who use iTunes will be fine. But they what? But what they are really doing is they are trying to push everyone to streaming. Right. Of course. Yeah. I mean that that is as I mean we're in it basically. It's it is the I won't say the future of music, but it is the it is the preferred format to m- listen to music on is streaming services. All right. Well, I'm glad we got that cleared up. I do appreciate Tony Timbale, and with that, we'll leave with. Okay, our next email is from Eric Gorman, who is a new patron, I believe. Greetings, Jason Brantley. I've been listening to your show since about episode three. I've been meaning to do this for a while now. Don't worry, I'll keep it brief. He says, the big four episodes are killer. I really dig the idea of exploring the other bands that make this genre of music as important as air. Okay, maybe not that important, but it is a reason to wake up every day. And now with the pleasantries out of the way, I'd like to know if you'd be open to a In Defense of Lulu type episode. It's an unpopular opinion, but I happen to really dig the album. Who does that? After listening to Tom's episodes concerning some of those songs, he's talking about our friend Tom Quee at Alpha Metallica, yep. who's doing every Metallica song in alphabetical order, so he's been hitting some Lulu tracks along the way. Right, yeah. He, he does them solo sometimes because he can't find anyone that'll come on the show with him, <laughs> including me. Um, 
After listening to Tom's episodes concerning some of those songs, I see that I'm not alone in my appreciation for this highly maligned and misunderstood project. I think the secret to understanding the album uh, is all in how one approaches it. For myself, I just tried to forget that Lou Reed's backing band was Metallica, which made it easier to drop the usual expectations one has when listening to the new Metallica music. Thoughts? Thanks for all you guys do. Eric from New York, New Jersey. Well, we've yet to do our own Lulu analysis. So. Yeah. I mean, I've only listened to it like one time, and it was a long time ago. So. I, I listened to it maybe two or three times, like, but there was gaps, large gaps in between each listen. You know, I'd be like, you know what? Let me see if I miss something. Well, I was going to say, what if we like it? Chances are pretty low. I think chances are low, but hey, I'm open to trying. So I guess Eric is saying, uh, would we be open to an episode where he comes on and defends it? Uh, maybe. Sure. Yeah, we'll see. It just depends. We get a lot of people asking to come on the show a lot. Yeah. I'll say that. Right. And the Metal Tales was partially designed to relieve some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if you become a patron of the show, you can now come on the show. We right. can talk about the current tour or a past tour. But <laughs> but now it seems like we get about five or ten emails a week of people asking to come on. So, yeah, totally. Um, I'm open to all that. There are people that have had ideas about doing episodes in the past that we've just not gotten to. Yeah, and it just depends on the subject and then the circumstances. And if, it, if you know, we all feel that it's it's worth it to have that third opinion there. And here's the deal, too. It's hard to juggle our schedules already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let alone, like, we just don't know what the chemistry is going to be like. Right. You know, like, you may be a legit fan and, a, and whatever, a cool dude or whatever, but you may not sound great on a mic or be easy to talk to. Or mm-hmm. And we have to think about the value of the show. Right. I'm not talking specifically about you, Eric. I'm talking about the general listener that's like, hey, I want to come on. Right. Some guy did that recently on Instagram that was like, hey, I'd love to come on your podcast and, or, you know, and talk about blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, okay. I mean, we're not just sitting around waiting for shit to do. Right, exactly. You know? <clears throat> and it is one of those things, I mean... Uh, take the podcast out of the equation i mean some things sound really cool to do in life but it but it may not be f- for you, some, you know some, God I'm not, i think we're way well past the point of trying not to try and sound like assholes here but some people want neat shirts to have or fun shirts some people want to have a good time saying someone's name like you did that one day when you shouted it out of the bus to the people in the pool while the cop was walking by yeah how about this? This is best, uh, the best way I can think of to explain it. That was funny, dude. I would really love to be able to wear large T-shirts. Yeah. But I have to buy extra large T-shirts. <laughs> That's just how it is. <laughs> I, th- I think that in general, though, you and I are going to be able to, to um, you know, lead the charge of the episode, make sure it's interesting, make sure right, our guests yeah. feel comfortable. We do that all the time on the Metal Tales. We make sure they feel oriented and yeah. comfortable. And that, you know, and we also edit generously sometimes. So, of course, having said all of this, we're open to all that. It's just, <laughs> honestly, it's just not a big priority. Right, yeah. So, until we run out of shit to do, that yeah. that's kind of stuff just not really going to rise to the top. We right. got We got shit, we got work to do yet still, my friend Ethan. Oh, we do. Pleases me to announce we have more work to do. We yes, I have two more emails and the sound of white noise. All right, go ahead. Next email is from Joe Bellion. I love the Among the, Among the Living episode. You guys were super hilarious, and I love Clint's raw reactions to the Big Four stuff. Responding to Clint's, it sounds like adult musicians with a 12-year-old singer. <laughs> I believe Anthrax themselves uh, thought that and eventually canned Joey and went on after John Bush. Uh, on that note, I'd love to hear you guys do a Big Four episode on Sound of White Noise. You're in luck. The first uh, record with Bush. 
Um, I believe he is the adult singer that matched the adult musicians on this album. I remember when that album came out, um, the difference was glaring. Peace, guys. Joe. Very cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Um, I was dialing it up as we were getting ready to start this episode, and just the little bit I heard was sounded bitching. Yeah, totally. But, I mean, I loved the music on Among the Living, mm-hmm. and I, I liked a lot of the uh, singing, too, but some of it was pretty funny. Yeah. You'd probably dig Steady Euphoria, too. It, it to me it's like a, it's a it's a, a great continuation of Among the Living. All right, we got one more email before we jump into the Sound of White Noise, the John Bush era Anthrax album that I'm very much looking forward to hearing from. This is from Keith Berger, which is Burgermeister on the Met Forum, who I recognize over there. Oh, nice. I've I've seen this dude um, on the forums for years, but I think he just recently jumped into the show. Okay, and he likes it. Awesome. <laughs> what if that was it? What if I was just paraphrase this whole email and say yeah. that? All right. He likes the show. He says, first, I'd like to express my total fandom of the podcast, which is just killer. I've arrived late to the party, unfortunately, but listen to the podcast on my daily commute from T- Saratoga Springs, New York to Albany. I'm really enjoying the pizza in the fridge shared by you guys. Your podcast comes across like I'm hanging with my two best buds on my daily ride discussing my favorite band. And he says, Kiss is his second favorite band, which he wrote a note to me because cool. Kiss is also a big a big part of my life. I know I know this well. He says, I'm currently on the Load episode and cannot wait to revisit the album after listening. Your album reviews always open my eyes and give me another level of appreciation of their work, which I greatly appreciate. Then he says he has a creative question slash advice, and this, by the way, is where you and I come in. Ooh. He says, I've, been, I've always been a frustrated musician as I grew up in a strict household as a kid where metal was looked upon in a bad way. Satan, drugs, etc. Right. Long and short, musically, not a supported or creative upbringing, but as an adult, 45 years old, and a father of three, I play drums and guitar to get out my creative angst with my kids, as they all have an interest in music. I've been writing poetry for years, and I've been told that they have good bones for lyrics. My question is, what is the proper way to get them exposed to the right audience, aka lyricists, songwriters, websites, etc., and how do you protect your work from being pilfered? I look forward to both of you giving any advice you could. If you guys are ever in Saratoga Springs, hit me up. Beers and pizza on me. Best regards to you both, and keep up the excellent work, Keith Berger. Well, thank you so much for the offer. Yeah, we, we're lucky that you know we 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 have a beer and pizza sitch in almost every corner of the yeah. I mean, if, if, country if both now. of us uh, tragically all of a sudden be, you know became homeless, as long as we could scrounge some money to, for a bus ticket, we'd be taken care of in most cities. My wife is right in there. If you say that loud enough. She might send me out. She'll kick you out. <laughs> she just wants because she she she's not cold. She just wants to know I'm okay. If she knows that there's, I could live off beer and pizza and live in the sub basements of Keith Berger's house and others <laughs> for the rest of my life. She might she might might, get, it might be time to go. Yeah, it might be time to leave. Well, what do you think? Uh, so first of all, it, it, we've talked about this before. Let's just knock out the technical thing. If you're worried about people stealing your shit, it's called a poor man's copyright. Mm-hmm. You mail it to yourself. Mail to yourself, yeah. Print the lyrics or the poems out, mail them to yourself, don't open it. Then you have proof of a time that you wrote it. Um, if you really want to go through the technical channels, you can just Google how to copyright stuff, but you got to go through like the Library of Congress and all this shit and mm-hmm. pay fees and stuff. Um, in terms of getting it exposed, I don't really know. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I still struggle with that with putting out my own music. Right. You know, like I made this reggae record last year, and what, you know, what avenues do I get it at? To, to more people to hear it right it's it's it, it's still a tough thing you know when you don't have a, any kind of team behind you a label manager right publicist etc etc um it's it's a hard thing to do i mean there now there i'm sure with poetry there's got to be something out there uh avenues like 
a band camp, things like that, that you can get it on. I wonder if there's some kind of poetry site that where people post that stuff. Or... Well, I, I do know that through Amazon, you can self-publish a lot. You yeah. know, and like if you're willing, I think, you know, it's digital and you're going to have to give them some of the scratch probably. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's almost like in the music industry, like the, it's good that so many people can make music now, but it's also bad because now you're competing with a waterfall of content. Right. Yeah. But, but just to camp out on the good side of it, I mean, someone 20 years ago who wrote poetry couldn't self-publish poetry mm-hmm, right. and make it available to anyone who wanted to buy it yeah. on the largest in the largest digital store on the planet. Yeah. And now you can do that. You can create a book of poetry that's for sale, you know, with it going through whatever the red tape is. Right, exactly. In a matter of weeks. You and could also even I mean, you could also record yourself reading your poetry and release that as like an audio that's fun. thing, you know. I always tell people who are trying to like get involved in professional music, um, because we obviously live in Nashville, which is a big hub for the industry, and sort of to piggyback off of the bummer of what you were saying about Let It Burn, because <laughs> you've already got a great product, you just need to get it into the right people. Right, but yeah. It's so hard, and like I've worked so hard and wrote so many songs to land a publishing deal, and even having that, it's just they're the ones that are opening doors and trying to get my people to cut my songs and right. film and TV, and I've not really had that much. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. hard. It's really hard. It's, it's an insanely hard. I think the thing to do, if it really is just for creative output and for like self satisfaction, is to go find musicians in your community that are mm-hmm. making music and collaborate with them. Right. Yeah. yeah so collaboration is, is, is huge, man. I mean, it's, I mean, I wrote my, my record pretty much by myself. Um, but yes, the, you, you, you were supposed to co-write some of it with yes, me. I know. Yes. Yes. I'm so, Hey, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll do it next one. For Maybe sure. that's why the, the, the Marley family hasn't heard it yet. Honestly, and that's probably why it hasn't, you know, it's, it's probably why it's only sold 2 million and not 5 million. <laughs> Um, but yeah, collaboration is, is such a, a key thing in music and maybe even the poetry world. Um, we're always better together. Well, I th- I'm just saying if you're writing poetry that, that could be cool lyrics, go l- watch live music and find someone that you think is great, mm-hmm. that inspires you in town, and start talking to them, buy them a beer. And they may it may be an Elton John situation where... They're a badass singer and guitar player, but they can't write lyrics. They might need a lyricist. That, and, that is a job in the world. And then before you know it, you are involved in cre- creatively expressing yourself for an audience. Yeah. You so, may not, maybe you won't, won't be the one on stage, but you might be the one writing everything that person's singing. Well, and he says he plays. So, I mean, dude, if you, it, I'll say this. If you can write good lyrics and you can play, you are already an asset to a band that's looking. I mean, he said he was a drummer, right? I think so, he yeah. plays drums and guitar? Yeah. I mean, God, Neil, Neil Peart uh, wrote all the Rush lyrics and didn't even sing. So, right. you know, or yeah, find some guys in your community, like Clint said, and, you know, start up a band and be like, hey, I've got all well, this material here. Right. First of all, you need to find Bytar and the Snow Dogs. That's the first thing you do. And, but it, only if you fly by night. <clears throat> Where are Bytar and the Snow Dogs, by the way? I'm guessing uh, somewhere in the... In the, in the uh, Antarctic, maybe? <laughs> in the Arctic sphere? I'm not sure where they are, geographically speaking. Yeah. Definitely not in the South. No, they're not in the, the Canada. They're I mean, not they're near they're the Canadian band. Let's just put it this way: they're not near the equator. They're not near the equator, especially the snow dog. Well, that that would be my actually out of all the advice we've given you today, my my greatest piece, the one thing I hope you really take away from this whole thing: find Bytar in the snow dogs. <laughs> all right, Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. We love hearing from our fans and listeners, and we I love questions like that. Yeah, and, it's great. Um, especially when it involves your kids and making music with your kids. I just love that stuff. That's the cream of the coffee for me. And uh, we're going to get into some Sound of White Noise. 
Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more. After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows, or you just saw a regular-ass show in North Dakota somewhere. We want to hear from you. Since Ethan and I started Metal Up Your Podcast, we wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories. Well, this is it. To make yourself eligible for a future or past Metal Tales episode, please consider joining us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you not only get to come on the show as a guest, you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. I'm still sort of intrigued by the drama of the fact that they fired Joey Belladonna. I mean... I want to know more about that. Yeah. You know, like was armored saint kind of like not doing much and John Bush is ready to rock. And maybe he was friends with Scott Ian and Scott Ian's like, uh, Joey's kind of a, yeah, he's crying for the Indians too much. Anyway, there's actually a really, a somewhat recent interview with John Bush. I ended up watching late last night. I mean, he kind of touches on it. So we are with John Bush of armored saint, but we will talk about anthrax. John is not rejoining Anthrax. This is strictly a retrospective interview, so don't keep your hopes high. Uh, John, how did you first come across Anthrax? You mean to join the band? Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I had a reputation for being singer in Armored Saint. I guess they thought it would be a nice combination with their music. So they sought me out when they parted ways with Joey Belladonna in 1992. And, uh, you know, it's difficult for me to actually leave Armored Saint because we're such a close-knit bond. But I think that... I, I don't think it was that hard for him to leave Armored Saint. Hey, dude, maybe can on you... A, maybe on a personal level. Can you leave a band that's basically wallowed in obscurity for its entire career and come join one of the big four? <laughs> right. I, I'm not giving him a hard time. I think he seems really cool. Yeah. That just, I'm just... I'm riffing out loud here. I love it. We're, uh, we're doing a podcast right now. Yeah. After a lot of thought and hearing the material that they were writing that was for this album, Sound of White Noise, it felt like the right time for me to, 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 take, the, to take the plunge into Anthrax world. How different was the experience of writing the first album with Anthrax as opposed to doing things with Armored Saint, which you've done all your life? Well, it was important for me to... Do you notice, by the way, he's wearing a Larry David shirt? Yeah, I know, he's I love it. a Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love it. The shirt says, pretty, 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 <laughs> pretty good. We know he's got a good sense of humor. Still be very involved in the songwriting because that was, you know, my prerequisite of joining. Because um, I didn't want to just be dictated, hey, sing this, because I, I never did that. I already wrote, I, I, in the past with saying I primarily wrote, you know, 90% of the lyrics, had some hand in songwriting arrangement. So 
that was important to me to do that. I didn't want to just, you know, hey, I'm here, tell me what to sing. So, um, and I think that they wanted that. They were um, embracing that, so mm -hmm. it was natural. What did you think you could add to the band when you joined? Um, I don't know if I thought about what I was actually going to add. More songs about Indians. I think it was more about <laughs> just bringing my style and my personality to the band and letting it all kind of happen organically. Mm -hmm. uh, and when the album came out, how did the fan base react? I mean, that's a big change. Of the band. Well, you know, some people, you know, aren't, aren't fond of singer changes. I mean, I'm probably somebody myself who felt the same way sometimes. Um, but, you know, that's what happens in life with bands. There's personnel changes. And um, certainly making a singer change changes the sound of the band to some degree. There's no denying it. Big time. Oh, um, yeah. The music sounds the same, but the voice is different. I mean, Joey's voice really? is very distinctly. Interesting. Is that how it works? Distinctly different. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, you know, I think some people embraced it. Maybe some old school fans had a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. But it was what it was. Now, you also had to sing some of the material that Joey sang before you. How did you adapt to that? You know, I gave it, I always want to pay tribute to the way it was recorded, do it the best I can, uh, according to the records. But again, our voices are different, so it was going to sound different. But I did my best in singing it the way it was recorded, mm -hmm. just with my voice and my style. All right, well, I think John Bush seems like a cool dude. And of yeah, course, same. famously, he was also in the running to become the lead singer for Metallica. At one point, yeah. Early well, on. Well, around after Lightning had been recorded. That's weird. Isn't that really that weird? James considered stepping away from lead vocal duties. Because Kill 'em All is pretty rough. You know, it's not unlistenable. No, it's not unlistenable. You can I, I hear the you can all, you can hear the potential and the genius in it. And for those songs, it's just very pure and raw. And I actually yeah. can't imagine it any other way. I can't either. But the point I'm making is the jump from, and I've said this for years now on the podcast, the jump from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning is so huge mm -hmm. in terms of songwriting, singing, playing, production, the production. You know, going from Paul Curcio in New York to which is kind of Anthrax's world. Yeah. You know, I don't even know if that Paul dude did some of Anthrax's records, but going from that to Copenhagen, Fleming mm -hmm. Rasmussen, they had gotten a lot Taking of touring under their belts. Yeah, totally. I mean, in, yeah. Well, I'm glad that they didn't do that, although I've always liked John Bush. I've never really listened to Armored Saint. I haven't really tapped into them either. But he did the Four Horsemen on those 30th anniversary shows. Yeah. It was pretty bitching. Yeah, it was real cool. Um, well, we can uh, before we start listening to this thing, let's tap into some uh, Sound of White Noise facts. Let's do it. Got a couple, a few things here. Uh, this is their Anthrax's sixth album, recorded in 1992, released May 25th, 1993. It was recorded at three different studios in Hollywood. Henson Studios, which used to be A&M Studios. It was back then. Uh, Cherokee Studios, don't know that one, and also don't know this one. Eldorado Recording Studios, all in Hollywood, California. So is this three albums after Among the Living? It was Among the Living, Stadio Euphoria, um, then Persistence of Time. There was, the, there was an EP in there, and then... This is the next full length after Persistence of Time. So three. Yeah. There's three in between. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, cool. Go on. Um, this, Go forth. This stuff I think is really cool. Go forth with your sack of Carry forth, please, with your shillings. So this was produced by Anthrax and Dave Jordan, and this is pretty cool stuff. I didn't know this really uh, until I started researching it, but Dave Jordan did all sorts of good stuff. He produced a record by Armand State, Armand State called Symbol of Salvation. Jane's Addiction is nothing shocking. Alice in Chains, Facelift, Sap, and Dirt. Spinal Unbelievable. Tap, break Like the Wind. Hilarious. And I love this, Social Distortion, somewhere, uh, The Self-Titled, and Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Yeah. Two amazing Social D records, if you if you like that band. It, um, I've never really checked them out. You'll have to help, uh, curate for me something. Yeah, but... sure. Make, I'll make you, hey, you know what? 
Once I get my tape deck, I'll make you a mix. Hey, right on. Yeah. Right on, dude. Right, hey. Hey, man. Right on, hey, bro. Man. Right on. Hey, listen, man. Word up. I got a response from an email a while back. Uh, I needed to do with something with, uh, maybe it was a gear endorsement or something. I'm not really sure. But in the email, I had said, in response to something, oh, right on. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. And the guy wrote back like, I can't believe you just said right on. I say right on every single day of my yeah, life. me too. Yeah, I say right on. All the time. Right on, man. Speaking of gear endorsements, I do have to brag a little bit. Do it, please. You deserve it. I you deserve it. this time. I officially became a Gibson artist. What? Have you heard of Slash? <sighs> Angus Young? It was a big day because Page. growing up, you know, idolizing Jimmy Page and Slash and all mm-hmm. the people that played Gibson Les Pauls. And right. Then, being able to go to their offices and sit down and ha- really have something to offer them and for them to see the value in what I do and for them to mm-hmm. make me bring me onto that team. Now, Gibson's had some ups and downs, right. no doubt. But it does seem like the last few years they've been really getting their shit together. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, what, maybe two years ago? They like had to file for bankruptcy. I think it was 2014. And... Was it that long ago? Yeah. Wow. Um, and it seems like they're restructuring the company. I think they brought in a new... CEO or something. I know that they're restructuring a lot within the business. Um, but it's cool because a, a Gibson endorsement, for those that don't know, in the music world is near impossible. It's to get. pretty rare. It's hard. I I had at one point my old old band, the Supertones, had a Gibson deal, but it was like a cost deal. It wasn't free, right? Anything like that. It was it was heavily discounted, and I think I I was able to get one guitar out of them. Yeah, I mean, I only got one, but it it was like a uh, well, what do you want? And then I said sort of my dream guitar, and then they within maybe 20 minutes, I was walking out with it. That's so, insane. Um, it was a very surreal, cool thing. Yeah. Um, I had to give them $3,000, but... <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. I had to, I paid for it, and then they let me walk out with yeah, it. Yeah, it's really weird. It's and so and it really wasn't at the Gibson headquarters. It was at Guitar Center. So. Yeah, it's so crazy. But you're an official endorsee. Uh, That's I guess, exciting though, man. I'm I'm stoked for it. No, man, it was really fun. It was really cool. And so, you know, if you're following me on the socials and you see a bunch of gratuitous posts of me saying Gibson, sorry, right. that's sort of part of the deal. You know what? Other part of the deal was too is uh, she was like, "Hey, no capo. Don't put capos on the headstock. Don't obscure yeah. the logo." That's a common thing to do in between. Let's say you have a capo song, no right. capo, and then a capo. You throw in your headstock real quick. I always throw mine on the mic stand. Yeah, I throw mine on the mic stand, but just the headstock is just so natural. Yeah, it is. But it was interesting to like, you know, because we were like, we literally signed contracts and shit, and uh, part of the contract is like, don't put, don't obscure the logo. Don't do that shit, bro. (laughs) Well, dude, right on. We will hunt you down and kill you. All right, sorry. Right on, right on. Um, now this Dave Jordan cat, I just recently there's a new YouTube series that does a deep dive into songs, like how songs were made. Mm. It's kind of like classic albums. Yeah, you ever seen that? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's one on the Black Album. Yeah, there's one on Nirvana Nevermind. It's actually, the funnily, the Black Album one is kind of the day that James and Jason broke up. Yeah. They kind of broke up the day they filmed that. And you can sort of see it subtextually in that. Oh, man, I gotta rewatch that. Yeah, watch it thinking of that. Okay. Um, but there's this new YouTube series, and they did a deep dive just into Man in the Box. That's so So cool. I'd never heard of Dave Jordan other than reading his name in liner notes. So right. it's a, basically an hour-long interview with him at a console. That's cool. Talking about the amps Jerry used, how they mic'd shit. Wow. You know, it wasn't just a talk box. It was a talk box and a wah that yeah. they blended together for cool. that. Yeah. So uh, he's been on my radar recently because I watched that. Remind me of that after before I leave HQ2. You would I, love it, dude. I really want to watch. I love watching that stuff. Because I think he does one on um, either Them Bones or Damn That River. He does a dirt one, oh, too. Oh, cool. 
That's awesome. There's there's that uh, podcast that does that too. The um, song song exploder or yeah, song exploder. Is that what it is? They did the one on Moth in the Flame. Yeah, but those are cool. Yeah, I, I I just love content like that. I love getting a beyond behind the scenes look into how something was created. Beyond behind the scenes. Beyond behind the scenes. Good night, dark continent. We are beyond behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for paying 10 shillings to see us. I got to say, too, the Jane's Addiction record, Nothing Shocking. Yeah, that was kind of their big one. I didn't know that he did that, but that's that's a big old been fucking badass rock record. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I've never been a huge Jane's uh, Addiction fan. Perry Farrell's but, voice is kind of tough. Yeah, but that record's really good. You know what? Another good record that he did was his project, uh, uh, Porn for Pyros. You ever get into that? Yeah. There's some cool stuff on there. I thought that. Um, what was was Jane says a porno for Pyro's song? Or no, was that, that was Jane's addiction. What was porno for Pyro's big song? I remember porno uh, for pets. Pyro's. Pets. We'll make great pets. Yeah, we'll yeah. make great pets or something like that. Wow, that's like a pet food commercial. It really is. This is for your dog, honey. My dog Lucius loves porno for oh, Pyro's. Lucius loves porno for Pyro's. Every time I go to PetSmart, oh my god! If it's playing on the speaker, he goes crazy. If it's playing, honey, if it's playing on the loudspeaker, the first thing I do is I ask the manager to please turn it down a little bit. I look down at him and say, "Who's a great pet? Who's a great pet? You are. You a trick question? It's you, Lucius. Yes, yeah, that's actually hypothetical because you know the answer." Sometimes Lucius has trouble sleeping. People don't understand insomnia for dogs is a very under-talked about issue that's uh, just ricketing the U.S. But people don't talk. People don't talk about it enough, Joyce. And but you know what puts my dog straight to bed? A little bit of hot milk and a whole lot of porno for pyros. Oh my god. Sometimes uh, Lucius and Valentino argue over who the greater pet is. And I love hearing the little doggy arguing because it's just our far, far, rough, rough, rough. <laughs> yeah, bark, bark, We bark. can't understand a single word they're saying, but we know they're arguing about it, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You can, you can tell in their demeanor. You can tell in their demeanor. Demeanor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, moving on with the Sound of White Noise Facts. This is the last album to feature uh, longtime guitarist Dan Spitz. I'm sad to see him go because that dude He's a ripper. is awesome. Yeah, he's a watchmaker now. Um. Which is cool. Pleases me to make time tellers. <laughs> time tellers. You can wear them, yes, on your wrist, yes. You can put them on a chain, yes, in your pocket, yes. Or if you're in public enemy, you can put them around your neck. <laughs> yes, mm, pleases me to make a big watch for the members of public enemy, yes, flavor, Ple- flavor. Pleases me to uh, have flavor, flavors and endorsey of my watches. Mmm, <laughs> Gibson nabbed that Clint Wells, yes, mmm, I'll show them. But I'll Dan now- Spitz acquired flavor, flavor. <laughs> This is, is like being read in like this is, is like this a medieval voice? version of Variety magazine in LA. What's funny is you can't see this, and we're not filming this one. But it, at one point, Clint was pretending like he was stroking a, stroking <laughs> yeah, a beard. Someone was like asking me recently, uh, like doing that voice, and I was like, "Man, there's just a few things like pleases me, like saying that <laughs> right. kind of locks me into it, but also pretending yep. to stroke the beard. It's like uh, when I do the Australian accent, I have to start with mate, right, pretty quickly, right. You got to like, lock oh, in mate, and then that kind of turns it on. <laughs> Flips the switch, if you will. For those of you out there studying acting and voices and stuff, yeah. we're just giving you tips from the biz. Yeah, listen, this is straight from the biz. Here's yeah. another tip from the biz. Biz, short for biznacious. Business. That's right. Okay, um, so Joey Belladonna was fired from Anthrax in 1992 for creative and stylistic differences. That probably just means they weren't vibing anymore. And and let, let's be honest, it was probably on a deeper level. Well, you and I both know that... A lot, a lot goes down in bands. Yes, you're crammed together in a van or a bus, 
and and honestly, man, as nice as buses are, you still have problems. They can on a get bus. They, what I always tell people is they can get small real quick. Exactly. You know, and if you think about it, what's the square footage on a tour bus? <sighs> it's really Four, small. Three hundred square feet. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Let's say it's it's probably the size if a stretched out version of like a studio apartment. Now put twelve people bunking together in a studio apartment. Well, right, because here's what happens when you do decide to pay for a bus is you want to cram everyone in there you can. Yep, and save money. So, you know, plus like just all the travel and touring and the ups and downs and getting drunk and drugs. And they were all on the road together when Cliff Burton died. And mm-hmm. just even those kinds of things that affect you as right. a band, you grow apart. I mean, there were times when Jason and Lars weren't speaking. Yeah. Obviously, times when Jason and James were at odds, and that happens in bands more than I think people realize. There was a time where um, J- James there wasn't speaking was to Phil Town. When I was so broken hearted, I met Desmond Child, didn't know he was. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, he wrote that, by the way. I know. Crying. I love that song. Damn it. Man, that, 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 speaking of shedding a tear, my God. Um, so the band had auditioned a few singers, and John Bush was actually considered as a potential replacement for Belladonna a few years earlier due to questions about his reliability stemming from drug and alcohol abuse. Wait, so Joey Belladonna had drug and alcohol abuse? Prior to all this. Right. Sound White Noise, like maybe a record or two before, and apparently he was. they were talking about him like, what if we replace Joey? So maybe all that kind of stuff finally came to a head. Hmm. And m- mixed that in with creative and stylistic differences. Maybe he still wanted to do like thrashy stuff. They wanted to expand their sound into more kind of grunge world with sound of white noise and he wasn't vibing you know well it was enough for them to fire him clearly so yeah there's some other shit going on that's cool there always is that's fine most of the time when there's a a, a press statement put out there about why someone left or whatever usually there's more to the story that's just you're not going to put all your dirty laundry out there but eventually a lot of that stuff comes out you know later in life we wanted to upgrade yes to lavender purses holding our shillings However, Joey wished to remain in the Dark Ages with simple black goat skin. And God forbid we go burlap. <laughs> burlap over my dead goat skin lavender like pouch. Stroke, stroke the beard, too, to get more into it. Mm-hmm. Pleases me, it does, to stroke the beard. Mm, pleases me, sire, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, a couple more facts here. Um, first album, obviously, to feature John Bush. Uh, and John Bush, this is great, which we kind of heard a little in that interview. He's credited on every song as a writer. Yeah, that's cool. So it's cool. I've always heard rumors that like Joey doesn't really write lyrics. He's just kind of a singer. So it was probably a big deal for them. Like, all right, this is this is one of his terms. He 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 wants into Anthrax, but he wants to be part of the writing process. I dabble in the world of writing songs for other people. You do, as you know, I do that a little bit, just a little bit, and. Even if my songs haven't been cut or aren't becoming hits, which they are, it's not as much as I like. Right. But even when I'm thinking about what's happening on the radio, and I'm, I, you know, I play country festivals all the time, so I'm watching these other bands. I'm like, why isn't this powerful? Why doesn't mm-hmm. this really work in a big way that's not just of a moment? Right. And I think it's because it's really hard to pull off something that where the front man is not singing what they wrote. Right. There's not well. There's not that connection there to the lyrics. Like, you might relate to them, like oh, right, I'll do something exactly. Similar. But those aren't your words from your heart. It's not you know? your story. It's not right. your deal. And uh, that that's the trick of writing. Doing what I do is trying to write, trying to th- know that and write through it. Right. Yeah. But 
in terms of rock and roll, it's just hard. I mean, Rush did it. Elton John did it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rare, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is weird to think yeah, Elton John had a lyricist. You want your singer writing the words. Yeah. You know? Or at least uh, at least make it a collaborative effort where, every, where that singer is, is contributing, you know, some of his heart and soul to it. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty much wrapped up here, but uh, reached number seven on the Billboard t- uh, 200. That's their highest charting record ever. Uh, Dave Conley reviewed the album on behalf of allmusic.com and called it surprisingly melodic, um, but predictably pummeling. <laughs> is that a compliment? That's one of those reviews where you're like, okay. And the music was relentless. Uh, and the last little quote here, and I think you're going to love this song. It's track two. Uh, James Hetfield is uh, said to have referred to the song only as a perfect song. Wow. I, I can't I, wait to hear it. I've never heard it. I, I love that song. Let me say, uh, as with the last record, Among the Living, I have never heard any of these songs. I know. I love it. And, I, and, I, and I'll throw this out there. Uh, I listened to like two, the first two tracks last night, but I haven't listened to this record in full in a long time. Okay. It'll probably be at least 10 to 15 years. Someone on the forums was like, there was the start of the uh, Among the Living episode started a great discussion on the forums, by the way. Yeah. But someone <clears throat> sort of tersely was like, the only thing I'm still confused about is how the how the fuck Clint had never heard Among the Living. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well. Oh, God forbid there's a band out there you've never <laughs> listened to before. This is, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I can't well, you change got, well, the past. I don't know what to do. I never really listened it. to much of Exodus. Yeah. Well, and, and they're part of, you know, a, 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 the big thrash family. The big thrash family. Okay, are we ready to jump into this? I want to get my genius. Li- and now, as usual, when we do these, I'm bringing up the uh, genius.com lyrics because when you click on the tune, for example, number one, the Potter's Field. The Potter's Field. It gives you all sorts of cool, like, inside scoop on the tune yeah. and, like, facts about who wrote shit. Mm-hmm. And I like that about it. Yeah. Now, I'm excited to dive in. Are we, are we square here? You want me to do a lap around the block? You need a drink? Are we good? I actually wouldn't mind making a coffee. <clears throat> Would yep. you like some water or a coffee? Yeah, let's 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 take a little break. Maybe even hear from the Hulkster. Let's take a twenty-six day break. Twenty-six days. Um, which Hulkster song should we hear? We haven't heard Hulkster in heaven in a while. You got it. Well, I'm about ready to listen to this record. Same here. Here we go. We're going from the top with Potter's Field. 
Although, I guess this website doesn't say who wrote it. Oh, oh here we go. Written by Char- uh, John Bush, Charles Benante, and Scott Ian. All right. Doth I hear the sound of white noise? <laughs> this is a journey into sound. Please, it's me. <laughs> Please, it's me to take you on a journey into sound. Yes. There be dragons, yes. Cool, creepy intro. It does sound very, like, fantasy. Okay, we're speeding up. We are. It's not quite the sound you expect going into a song called Potter's Field. Right. Harry Potter. Hello, Potter. A bit long. Ooh, I love yeah. the groove. Groove metal. Super fast right hand thing. Yeah. The song's about abortion. It tells of the anger of a son towards his mother. The son's angry because she hadn't aborted him, her illegitimate son, because of her religion. That's dark. That's some heavy stuff. I could definitely see an old school Anthrax fans being pissed. I mean, this is way better. I, I knew you would like this better than Joey. Potter's Field is a cemetery for unknown or poor people. Oh, okay. It sounds like a different band. It does. Well, I mean, so not not only obviously was John Bush the new singer, but stylistically this record is way different than what they had done before, so... So a lot of fans were like, what the hell, you know? He's a great singer. There's still those little thrash elements in it, like that drum beat right there is great. I'm not really loving the melodies. Not on this one. They're kind of drony and dancing. You hear those toms in the left. Doom, doom. I love that shit. Yeah, that's just heavy. Badan, badan. Your beliefs took me into this. 
definitely an 80s singer. Yeah, totally. You know? Staley in there, learn. Yeah. The record sounds good too, production wise. Yeah. Okay, let's pause here for a minute. Okay. Initial thoughts. Well, uh, musically, it's what I liked about Anthrax. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's. Uh, I only liked some parts of that musically. Yep. But the parts I liked, I love that thing at the beginning. Da-da, da-da. The, the quality of the vocals way better. The lyrics were a little better. I, I kind of take issue with the subject matter. Yeah, that's, that's some heavy, dark subject matter. Well... Isabel was telling me recently about a kid who sued his parents mm-hmm. for having him. Oh wow. Because life is pain and you know he didn't know his permission wasn't granted to exist. Oh my god. Um we had a very heated discussion about it because she sees the reasoning. She you know she thinks that's a reasonable position and I feel like he's an ungrateful piece of shit <laughs> who's suing his fucking parents. But um, obviously the, the situation of this song is like basically the mom didn't really raise him because she was too young to have him. Right. So his life was shitty. Yeah. And now he's in this position where, you know, he says, left alone, I found my place. I find love in what I steal. You should have left me rest in Potter's Field. Your beliefs turn me into this. Bite the hand that feeds. You're so selfish. Thank you, mother, for giving me this life. I'll bring on the rapture, then we'll see who lies. So I guess she chose to have the kid because she was religious. Right. And he's saying, my life sucked, and I'm upset about that. And it's your fault. It's kind of like, it's hard for me to find sympathy with that. It's like, dude, well, you're already here. Yeah. And by the way, life is a fucking miracle. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, it's filled with suffering and pain, but it's also filled with really nice stuff like being uh, yeah. alive and experiencing the world. Well- yeah, and and you and I think you know you do get to a certain age where like if if let's say you're someone like this and you have these issues you hold on to like you have to deal with them at some point. You got to move forward. You can't hang on to these things that you know mom did or dad did. You know, like I've had plenty of family issues that took me a long time to get past, and sometimes I still feel them. But you're an adult. You grow up. You have to figure out a way to do it. Or I mean, on the opposite end, you're making the choice to wallow in this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you and I have pretty traumatic family histories right? for different reasons. And, you know, to not still look at life and be grateful that I have an opportunity to reverse that cycle mm-hmm. and be different, be different than my parents right. or yeah. be different than my dad was to just sort of wallow in it or to, cause here's my takeaway from the kids suing his parents. I'm like, dude, if you're able to sue your parents, 
then you are living a privileged privileged life yeah. that most people on the planet don't even have. Yeah, if you have the money to do that, then you absolutely You know what I'm saying? You're like, doing think, all right, you know. Think about all the people just born into poverty in Africa. If you're upset that your mom didn't abort you, you're an asshole. Wouldn't you I mean, I think it real dark, but why wouldn't you not just kill yourself? Yeah. Well, instead of killing myself, I'm going to sue my parents. You need to get more money. Well, let's go move on. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> so this so night, James this, Hetfield called this a perfect song. A perfect song. I love this song. This was like, I think, the leadoff single to the record. And um, it's, if memory serves, my favorite song on the record, but I haven't listened to this record in a long time. So This was the first song that John wrote with Anthrax. This is, um, who is saying this? This is Charlie Benante. He's the drummer, correct? Drummer, yeah. He says, this was the first song that John wrote with us. Instantly, it became such a very catchy song. We were all really excited about that. And then what that record became after that was really exciting. Some people said we went a little grunge on that record, but the only reason why they say that is because Dave Jordan produced it, and he did the Alice in Chains stuff. It'd be really hard for us to come out and do Among the Living again with a new vocalist. I think it was a watershed moment. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Do you agree with James Hetfield that it's a perfect song? I think it's pretty dang perfect. I, I love, And I think you're going to like the melodies a lot better than this one. Is it fitting that the first lyric is everything is perfect? Everything is perfect. I mean, it is a grungier sounding record. It totally, Sorry, I, Charlie. And I love it. But he's denying it. It's like, all right. Yeah. I just love that droney B yeah. that keeps going. I love this. Yeah. Everything is like this song. Sounds like Alice. Yeah, kind of does. Listen to this. Listen to the vocal again. And think about Alice in Chains. Think about Facelift. Yeah. Yeah, it that sounds like Lane Staley. It does. I never really noticed until he pointed it out. I have a genius for that kind of thing. Love that chord. Came in hot on that classic. He did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, gone are like the gang vocal punk thing. Yeah. I'm guessing there are no knots on There's this. No knots on here. No, even the confessing. I love this part. I mean, 
This is their Alice in Chains record. Yeah. So I'm interested to see the rest. Yeah. This is the only song from the Bush era that Joey Belladonna has sung live. Uh, yeah. Wow. I love that. It goes up high. Drums sound great. Yeah. I love this right here. Got a little wah pedal going. Just playing the chorus based on guitar. I feel the same way about this as I did about Mon the Living. It would be so fun to write lyrics and melodies over this music. Yeah. You not like the melodies on this song? I think they're okay. Really? Uh, honestly, I feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity with how good that dude is a singer. The vocals don't sound good to me. Oh, uh, like engineering-wise? Yeah, they don't They don't have that punch or something. Yeah, I, they, I hear you saying. You see what I mean? I like, the, I like the introduction of a lot of harmonies and stuff. Yeah. That wasn't really very prevalent on yeah, a Mongol they, they did that here and there, but... I mean, I do like the song. I do like yeah. it. It's just got a lot to live up to with James Hetfield yeah. calling it a perfect song. Sure. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is a perfect song. Right. He's got a great yell. I think a little uh, maybe unnecessary of this part on the end. But, I mean. Room for one more. This is another single from the record. In a world. Where there's room for one more. Get inside. There's room for mm, one more. It pleases me. It is to have room for one more. Shilling. There's room for one more, and this time, it's personal. <laughs> Double-crossed by the government. I mean, this sounds like Jerry Control, doesn't it? I'd hate to keep harping on this, that. But. This intro kind of almost reminds me of like White Zombie or something. White Zombie, very cool. Love it. See. Overall, are you digging these lyrics more than Among the Living? Those ones got a little goofy at times. These are way more serious. Yeah, but it's almost like it's more pressure if you're going to go all serious. Yeah. You can get away with goofy shit because you're like, well, it's goofy. Fuck you. Right, totally. Delof Nefa Contessin or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> Even the Contessin. <laughs> um, 
I'm still processing it all. Sure. Um, I do feel like, in general, I'm probably going to prefer these 90s Big Four records. Right. I'm a 90s cat, man. Totally. The 90s stuff is just where it's at for me. I, I understand, man. I'm pretty balanced on 80s, 90s. Yeah, you are. You're more balanced than me, for sure. All this to say, I'm having a great time listening to this record, because it's <laughs> been a long time. Thinking Evil, is that your normal gig? Normal gig. Fucking one of us. <sighs> Not for me, Jack. No way. Freaking butthole. Good harmony. Good harmony right there. Yeah. There's something else early 90s it's reminding me of. Okay. I think that you know, for this kind of being the getting in the '90s kind of sound of Anthrax, I think John Bush is a good fit for that era, era in time and music. I agree. I, I I agree. I'm noticing too, though, the lead guitar player. What's his name? Dan Spitz. Dan, and even Charlie, their personalities aren't coming out as much. They're a little more tame on these records. It, it feels like, it feels like. I hate to say it, almost like a generic metal band with John Bush. Right. Whereas I felt like on Among the Living, the unique personalities of the band were really popping through. Yeah, for sure. I hear that. Is that fair? Yeah, very fair. I did, I did watch some live performance stuff with John Bush. And? Great. Really? Great live singer, yeah. song is badass. It's a great song, yeah. This is my favorite so far. You can even tell, I mean, with Dan Spitz's tone right there. I was going to say, the tone, and he's, playing, and he's playing bluesy. Yeah, neck pickup. The metal's kind of gone. Yeah, I mean, it's the, like pentatonic. still a bit of a... There's still that metal bass in yeah. this, in the in the drumming. I mean, maybe. I mean, we'd have to talk to Dan Spitz to see what he was listening to at the time when he was playing more bluesy solos. But you know whose personality I haven't heard at all yet is that bass player. Yeah, and he was so sick on Among the Living. Yeah. Like, I guess it's just this is like the guy that did facelift, so it's way more low mid. Yeah, that and just Sco it's scooped mids. Right. So the, the there's no definition in the bass. Yeah, even on the record before this, Persistence of Time, I mean, his bass was real prominent. I mean, I think every aspect of this record is all five of them trying something new. That's cool, though, as an artist. That's badass. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, those harmonies sound sick. Yeah. And I, I bet them coming out of the gate with a new singer with material like this, I bet they were pretty stoked. Oh, they had been so excited. We'd like to welcome you now to Packaged Rebellion. There's one thing that I love ordering from Amazon. Packaged Reve Rebellion. <laughs> Amazon Prime can have your Packaged Rebellion there in two days or less. 
Okay. Dad, nice. I made my Christmas list and I want Packaged Rebellion. <laughs> you think? You think I'm good, Dad? That Santa will bring me Packaged Rebellion under the Christmas tree. I hope I'm on his nice list. In a 93 interview with Guitar World, Scott Ian discussed the inspiration behind this song, saying it basically came out of things that happened last summer, Lollapalooza and MTV, and the whole grunge deal. The title just refers to the way the media is now selling this whole supposedly rebellious image by being a Lollapalooza-type fan. And going to Lollapalooza, you're supposed to be participating in some kind of rebellion, but you're not. Okay. I remember in real time thinking when they were like selling Eddie Vedder jackets right, yeah. that he bought in a thrift store for like $500, they're selling it. I know. Was, I always hated that stuff. These lyrics are pretty goofy. A little goofy, yeah. I mean, a good test of lyrics, and it's not always the case, because sometimes the way they're sung really does make them pop. Right, yeah. They can, Sometimes lyrics can look kind of silly on paper, but when you sing them, it works. Yeah. But a pretty good test is to read it, read it, and, yeah. and make sure you're kind of hitting it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I've done that with my own lyrics. I mean, I, I by no means call myself a great lyricist, but I, I think a lot... Do you do you do that? What I just said? Yeah, I read them out loud myself, and, and if it sounds goofy to me, then I'll change it. In and out, too. try to be... What you see, anarchy. That's actually fine. Everything, everyone, every man, rebellion. Okay, okay. But you can't make a move. If you win, then you lose. Look at me to approve. You're so hard. You're so real. You got nothing. It's like okay, we're we're getting we're getting rough here. Who laughs last? A question, not a task. I ask. <laughs> Pleases me. <laughs> Who answer? Riddle me this, Piper. Hmm. Who laughs last? A question, not a task. I ask. What's your reason? Do you believe in anything? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. I like that pre-chorus. I love that, that the, that the root note goes down. That's that one. It's still in there. There's some phrasing things that I don't... It's not pocketed. Yeah. Some some of it, you know what I'm saying? Some of yeah. it's kind of packaged rebellion. Right. Back to Amazon. They overcharged you, bitch. Free returns. Okay, sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know when Clint pauses the song, there's a lyrical discussion about to happen. Again, this is not a foolproof test, but sure. it, it is a, a utility of songwriting. Look around. No one cares. Who are you? Why or where? You're so blind. You're so dumb. You're so deaf. Like a gun? Like a gun? That you can't even shoot to the point that it's moot. And you don't have a clue. You're so hard. You're so real. You got nothing, motherfucker. Yeah, lyrically not amazing. I'm gonna make it a life's goal to never write the word moot into moot. a song. <laughs> Probably smart. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not trying to rip on him, man. I think anyone that writes shit and puts themselves out there is cool. I'm just, I'm observing. Uh, listen, you're, you're, in, you're entitled to give us your thoughts on these lyrics. You write more songs than most people I know. That's like the riddle that the troll asked you to cross the bridge. <laughs> right. In Zelda. <laughs> In Hyrule Kingdom. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love that right hand. Yep. That could be a bit of uh, back to Amazon. You took that riff and put it under like a halftime beat. That'd be kind of Alice and Chainsy. Hell yeah. Action is the air you breathe. Okay. As flaccid as an ex-president? What? Alright. I'm really not sure what he's trying to say. Yeah. But, okay. Are all ex-presidents flaccid? Apparently. I feel like congratulations, Mr. President. It's going to be a wonderful four to eight years. However, afterwards, after eight years, PP didn't work anymore. This pleases me, and it is to tell you. Unpleases me, Mr. President, to bring you these poor tidings. <laughs> thine penis must go flaccid after <laughs> serving thine country. That part's rad. Is adding extra guitar there. The Thickener. His voice is so good, and you can, you know, you can tell he brings a lot of confidence to the project, and he co-wrote the whole record. Right. I think it's overshadowing what Anthrax is a little bit. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying for sure. Like. I didn't think I would feel this way, but I'm kind of missing the goofy in a way. Yeah. Because that just kind of felt like what they are. I'm not hearing any of that here. Yeah. And I know people are like, Jesus, Clint, make up your mind. But <laughs> This just sounds like the John Bush band. Yeah. Ooh, like that. Oh, high pro glow. This is getting into some, this is goofy. I can't wait to figure out what high, fo high pro glow is. The song is about someone being angry at another person, possibly a poser. The title is a reference to a commercial for Purina High Pro Dog Food. <laughs> the lyrics, however, have nothing to do with dog food. That's what it says. Okay. Oh, that was the... There. Oh, that was some weird ending to Packaged Rebellion. I, 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 
I remember this now. I never really liked that part. Well, the goofiness I just mentioned is back. You know what this sounds like? Faith No More. Yeah. It's something that. Very, ah, very Mike Patton. It is. What is it? You hear the bass a little bit better there. Yeah. Again, this sounds like facelift. Yeah. That's Allison Chains. They're even kind of going for those harmonies. Music is so sick in that section. Yeah. Gump, 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 gump. It burns a hole inside my mind. <laughs> That's Tom's. <laughs> They're a little too spread or something, right? It's silly almost. That doesn't bother as much as the volume of them. They're loud, right? They're loud. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're so loud they sound overdubbed, if which you, is possible. But If you guys are hearing that in cans, you hear what we're talking about. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, God, you might be listening in your car and hear that. Do, do, do. High Pro Glow is a dog food, but this song is not about dog food. Not about dog food. Unless they ground it up and snorted it, and it burned a hole in their mind. Ooh, listen to this. Sabbath all of a sudden something. A lot more wah. I kind of dig how dirty his lead tone is. It's just it's knowing... Like a fuzz face on it or something. Yeah, that's like a fuzz. I just miss his tight, clean metal solos, though, because yeah. he's so capable of it. Right. I mean, I get they were going for a different thing. Of the cup of denial. It's like the eye and dirty window. Yeah. 
Okay, well, Invisible. I don't love that last song. There's some great moments in it, though. See, those toms seem more mixed, they're level. Yeah, I agree. I like to hit harmonics on my guitar. This is a Devo song. It's a primal, yeah, primal growl, yeah. Motherfucker, come on. That's a good verse, verse. Interesting. This sounds like Pantera. He sounds like Phil Anselmo. Yeah, it does on this one. You're right. I hate to keep... I just do that, dude. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's kind of part of how I orient myself in the yeah. world. I, I compare it to shit. I think you were spot on that Faith and War comparison. This sounds like... Vulgar Display of Power era. Yeah. One thing I do miss on this record is the gang vocals. Well, feel free to throw them in. ADS! Adrian. You just did a Rocky Adrian. Yeah. Wouldn't that be rad right there? Yeah, totally. Well, and it would bring more of what they're known for. Right. It's missing that this record, you know. Yeah. Like I would not have known this is Anthrax if you just played this for me. Right. And that's a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, or I guess if it was John Butch, but it was more like Among the Living or City Euphoria, you might think like this sounds like Anthrax, but with a different singer. This is a different band at this point. I still love it. A double kick is so awesome. Yeah.
pretty weird solo. Very weird. That is awesome. Yeah, I love that part. Scott Ian, there's some. There he is. Some gangs there. What happened to Paul? interlude thing, right? Oh, yeah. That's kind of like the intro. Kind of unnecessary to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Do without it. With the flanger on it. In a world. Well, a thousand points of hate. What in the world could this be about? Is there no, no info on it? No info. You can hear the bass personality right now. Yeah. He's like, yep. Ooh, ooh, down tuning. How'd they do that? That was interesting. That was. Let's go back. How did they do that? In uh, 1993. Do how... you think that... Was the whammy pedal out yet? Yes. That's right. Well, because that was Tom Morello's whole sound. But I feel like you hear the tracking. That sounded so clean. Bam. It definitely wasn't him, because it's a whole chord. Yeah. One more time. I think they probably just slowed the tape down. That's possible. You can yeah. sort of manually put a, you know, lower this, whatever, a blunt thing that slows the tape. Yeah. That's probably, it's, right? It, I would see that, or it would maybe be, it be a whammy pedal. And this was the Engineering Corner with Metal Liquor Podcast. <laughs> There's that bass. I love this. This is sick. <laughs> My funny vibe is hard to this. <laughs>
it is funny to say like because he's saying my funny vibe like my different vibe or my funny like i'm pretty fucking funny yeah it's just a really aggressive way to say that yeah that's so interesting. i hate you and you hate me i cannot look at you and you breathe so full of hate that i can't see my funny vibe is hard to miss <laughs> your ignorance can't be called bliss I fucking wash my hands of this, Ethan. This is this is interesting lyrically. I wish the bass was mixed like this in the whole record. Yeah. It gives it, you can hear that percussiveness of it and what a good bass player he is. I like, I like the riffs and the what's happening right now, but I don't feel like it's really chorus worthy. Yeah, the, there's a a lack of gel happening. I feel like with what he's singing, there could be something so much bigger sounding underneath it. Yeah, I agree. It, that riff sounded like a bridge or something. Ooh, oh hey, no guy. Check, check. Bring me the enemy of war and release the chir- the chirping chickens. <laughs> release the whammy petals. Release the bumblebee. Release the fruit flies. <laughs> Pleases me to sentence you to death via fruit fly. Release the psychotron. <laughs> yeah, dance bits really experimental on this record, man. Oh yeah, that drums, that snare roll is killer. Yeah, he's so good. That's hard to do, man. Yeah, very. For that long, that tight. These songs are so wonderfully complicated. It would be hard to learn all this and like go out and play ninety minutes of it. Right. It's on that right hand. Yeah. Like what the bass is doing there? I wish the rhythm, rhythm guitar was just doubling that. I totally agree. 
or even like, yeah, I'm even like halftime. It's still sick. You know? It's really sick. Now, Black Lodge, this uh, must be influenced by Twin Peaks. I think there's nothing showing up on that website for it. Holy shit. Angelo Badalamenti, who did like the Twin Peaks theme song, has a co-write on this. Oh, wow. Wow. Are you a Twin Peaks fan? I never saw it. I know. I oh know. my god, dude. I know. You have to. Was the new one good too? The new one was some of the best television I've ever seen in my really? life. Okay. Well, it's like 25 years later. Right. So you've got two seasons to watch from the 90s. Okay. And a movie from the 90s that was a prequel. Okay. And then and then this the one series season? from two years ago. Okay. Kind of interesting to hear Anthrax in Ballad World, too. But it works great with John's voice. It really does. It's kind of double time right here, though. It's weird. Okay. I love that tremolo kind of... Awesome. He really kind of sounds like Lane here. The lyrics are really cool, but I don't, I really don't know what they mean. This is a very cool, strange song. Yeah. Is it me or the leads mixed kind of quiet? They're mixed low. Yeah. But that was kind of a hallmark of that time. Right. A lot of the leads on Dirt are mixed low. Right. Facelift, not so much. Yeah. But see, on Facelift, for most of the tunes, they did do the thing where whenever Jerry was playing a solo, they didn't really often have a... Rhythm guitar on Right, so it'd stand out on its own. Because they were a three-piece. Yeah. Around the Dirt era, Lane started to play more. I am a 
I don't love this part. This part is going to stay. Down, down, down. It's very epic. Yeah. Stink me too. My, my first thought was Rush. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but it just, it's just I don't know. It, it's And it's not like a, a, an anthrax goofy part. It's just kind of a weird goofy part. Take me to by Tar and the Snow Dog. <laughs> Pleases me. <laughs> Pleases me. Pleases me. It pleases me. Pleases me. Pleases me. Bring me the sack of gold. <laughs> also, from what I remember from the series, guess where you don't want to go? Uh, you don't want to go to the fucking Black Lodge, dude. Yeah. The Black Lodge is where some crazy shit goes down. You want to go to the White Lodge. The White Lodge. Wow. Other than that one, da, 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 I, I dig that song. Well, what's so cool is that, I mean, I guess this Angelo Badalamenti, you know, he famously worked with David Lynch on a lot of shit. I right. Mean, he, I think he began with him on uh, on Twin Peaks, but he did The Straight Story. I think he did Wild at Heart and that iconic Twin Peaks sound. You know, you've probably heard this. Let me find it for the good people out there. Twin Peaks theme song. This dude wrote all this shit. Okay. And when you get into the show, which you've got to, dude, yeah, by I the way, uh, it, you just get entranced by it. Because yeah. it's the opening and closing. Okay. It's all the little, um, it's this melody. Don't be an ad, don't be an ad, don't be an ad. Don't. Ooh. But it's this theme you, it sounds kind of hokey in 90s, but you get, it's just the sound of Twin Peaks. This is uh, the Battle of Minty guy, Angelo. Yeah. I love that baritone. Yeah, it's kind of got a tremolo on it, like yeah. a 50s tremolo. Or like a surf 60s tremolo. It's that, that's the main thing that. But it's dissonant in these really unique ways, yeah, yeah. and, it, and it, it, what it does is it's kind of pretty sounding, but what it does is it creates this tension in you, mm-hmm. and that's what the show is. Yeah, no, I like that. Um. Anyway, all right, moving on to now. What the hell is this song? <laughs> this song title, it's a bunch of uh, what chemical makeups. Chemical How compounds? do you pronounce so? It's C eleven H seventeen N two O two S N A. It's gonna make for a catchy chorus, I guess. With all these things combined, you get sodium pentothal. Very interesting. We're back to the goofy. One can put it that way. Sodium pentothal! Uh, I like it. Daddy like. Whoa, interesting bass stuff. I love the punk. Yeah. Love it. 
machine gun riff from one. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> Maybe if he was a Cryotron. <laughs> or what, is that right? Cryotron? Psychotron? Psychotron. Cryotron is his frozen brother. <laughs> Cryotron is Jason Voorhees when he comes back in Jason X as the super fancy Jason Voorhees. Hey, it's me, Cryotron. Just out of the old iceberg. Have you seen my brother? <laughs> Psychotron? <laughs> Psychotron is probably wreaking havoc somewhere. I don't love those backup vocals. That's some Scotty in. That's cool. Yeah. This feels more like classic Anthrax. Yeah. And I understand, dear listener, that I don't have a lot of context for that, as I've only heard one album. No, I, I have heard more more albums, and I can I can tell you with confidence that there is some more old school Anthrax in this song for sure. Oh, this is Truth Serum. Ah, I could have just called it Truth Serum. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I don't know, dude. C11H17N202SNA is pretty catchy. This next song is called. Yeah, I don't love the. No confusion. I love that part. Yeah, musically, it's, it's super. Punk, man. I, I'm almost thinking of the Ramones in this part. Minus his vocals, of course. But. I love this drink from the cup shit. Yeah. That's very anthrax. Newbert. Little yellow. Different. All right, Charlie. Little splashies. Okay. This is cool. I love pinch harmonics. Yeah, me too. You ever do them for fun? Of course. Thank you. That was a very slash solo right there. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised that... I like he's holding that note... This is my favorite song on the record, by the way. Really? This and uh, Room for No More, or One More. Yeah. Um, it surprises me that more bands weren't trying to rip guns. Yeah, with coming, how huge they were? Coming through 87 and into the Illusions. But, I mean, a band like Anthrax hearing, like, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, that'd be, oh, we've got some vibes happening. Is this a commercial for Valtrex? You know it can't cure herpes. It merely suppresses There's the symptoms. There's some Frank Bello. Bass player. Yeah. 
Not a lot, John. That's faster than Whiplash. The vocals are also mixed really hot. Yeah. They don't sit in it. Maybe that's one of the things when you're mentioning the vocal, how the vocals recorded earlier. Maybe if it was mixed a little more down. Frank Bello co-wrote this one. Punk rock. Love that, yeah. Sounds like The Offspring. Something, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I almost pulled the trigger on uh, Smash on vinyl. That's a great record. I love Smash so much. Dude, that record was huge in my life. That and Dookie. I honestly could not give a fuck about anything else Offspring ever did. Yeah. But that Smash record. Yeah. And of course, Dookie. Yeah. Okay. Kill someone, save a life. Don't do drugs, drink all night. Worship Jesus, praise Satan. Opinions are all contradiction. Dad, try this for once. Getting off my Galdern case. <laughs> hey, Dad, guess what? Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts, Dad. Vice versa, it's the same. Just do it. No pain, no gain, Dad. That's fast. This song is so brutal fast. Yeah. How do they play this? I wonder if they ever played it live. I don't know. in a mush. I'm guessing they never play this live. No. Oh, there is Indians live, though. I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> this song brings a little bit of that early goofiness back. Yeah. One more track after this, don't we? Yep. Now, I can tell by the name of this song, this is not an exit. This is from American Psycho, the Brady St. Ellis novel. Okay. Patrick Bateman sees it on these billboards. So... I like this so far. I don't, it's so crazy. Half this record I don't really remember. And I love that I'm feeling that way right now. 
uh, you're rediscovering. I love it. I don't know why that people call like... this our grunge record. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I love that, that Tomler. Like freaking helmet. Ooh, helmet. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. This is me This sounds like Stone Double Pilots. Yeah. Sounds like core. Doesn't it? It really does. It's like sex type thing or something. Yeah. Can't leave here. That riff is either STP or Pantera to me. It's the new level. That's what it is. New level. Check it out. Yep. And power. That was 92, so you know these motherfuckers are listening to that. I do kind of like how in the middle of like the big four, the big big four convo, right. Pantera just comes out of nowhere and rips a big asshole I mean, really into did. that whole, in, like Cowboys from Hell, starting with Cowboys from Hell. I know that they had shit before that. but Yeah, yeah the early glammy stuff. But like 88, 89, Cowboys from Hell, just ripping. Cowboys from Hell, Vulgar Display of Power, Far Beyond Driven. Just ripping a hole in that whole fucking thing. <laughs> it was crazy, yeah. Because say what you will about Phil, he wrote great lyrics. I mean, his lyrics yeah. are like, Twisted poetry. Right. They're yeah. not like dumb shit. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting to. He's one of the better lyricists in metal. Yeah, to hear those lyrics and then see what dumb shit he pulls in real life. You're like, what? I know. You're smarter than this, dude. I know. I know. That's a good part. Great vocal. Yeah. Come and taste my dark trick hand over fist. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Kill you when I give it. This is not an exit. That's pretty fucking cool, man. Uh oh. I feel like the second half of the record, the bass got more prominent. Yeah. Can I leave here? Like, that would have been a great gang vocal part. Yeah. That's like the cry for the Indians part. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is a long song. It really is. 
25 minutes left. Yeah. Some bongos happening in there. Oh, the Spoon Man showed up. Ooh, that bass sounds sick. Yeah, it does. Woo! Okay. Wow. That's powerful. Sounds like Saint Anger. That's you know similar to I believe how um, horror of it all ends on where, yeah, the, where they yeah. they do like this thing and then they put it like through a tape oh. machine. Well, that was an interesting listen. Yeah. Um, you know what? I will say this. I remember at one point kind of getting off the ride with this record. Yeah. And that really got me excited about it again. You're gonna dip back in? I think I'm going to more. Yeah. There's a few a few tunes that I was like. Eh, you know, it's it's good. Like it, it, I think a lot of it was the the phrasing of words sometimes. Yeah, I was just thinking that on like this is not an exit. It just sounded so. I hate to use this phrase, but I just think it's colloquially appropriate because people know what I mean. It just sounds white. Yeah. Bing 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 uh, bing bing bing. Yeah. Totally. Instead of like in a groove in a pocket, because right. the band was grooving even though they were like ramping it up and getting faster. Yeah. Um. I mean, I had a good time. I got to say, I know people were thinking I was going to like this better because the lyrics are less goofy. Right. And, but in all of those ways, it is better. But I think I liked Among the Living more. Yeah. I mean, I, still, I think the songs were better. I still like that better. I think there's, uh, I mean, the standouts to me on this record, for, in my opinion, are only. Okay. Um, and Room for One More. Those are my top two. My top two are Room for One More and uh, um, I, I like This Is Not an Exit, but the other one I liked was the... Uh, oh, the chemical one. The, the, uh, the, the um, Truth Serum Truth one. Truth Serum, yeah. That's a good one, too. Um, I could do without... Uh, Invisible is pretty good. I could do without Potter's Field. could do without Package Rebellion. I think Black, pa- I think Black Lodge had a lot of potential, but it gets so weird. It does get kind of weird. Uh, Package Rebellion, to me, uh, musically was rad. I felt like that one, that was where the, there was phrasing issues for me. I think like Among the Living, I mean, I don't have a big problem with the record much at all musically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here's the deal, though. Here's what's distracting for me. And I, I, I'm i sure I'm frustrating listeners, but it sounds too much like an Alice in Chains record. 
Whereas Among the Living didn't sound like anything else. It sounds like its own thing, yeah. Even, even Joey Belladonna's silliness in his vocal delivery and lyrics, it made them sound like un- Anthrax. unique. Yeah. This was like, hey, we got the Alice in Chains guy. We're going to write more like grungy 90s stuff, even though we're yeah. going to deny that in the press. What do you right. mean? This, people only call it that because of the Alice in Chains guy. No. no, dude, you're singing like Lane Staley and you're putting in like a lot really, of riffs like that, too. really weird harmonies and. You're in, you know, the Dan Spitz guys playing different tone and different. Yeah, probably was. I mean, a lot of, yeah, a lot of neck, neck pickup tones on his leads. It just seemed very derivative of what was happening. Yes. Like we mentioned for Far Beyond Driven, or not Far Beyond Driven, but um, Vulgar Display of Power. Right. Probably they were listening to um, uh, The Real Thing I'm, by Faith No More. Uh, helmet. Some helmet going yeah. on in there. I mean, I think it's a kick ass record. I mean, it's 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 a great hard rock slash metal record. I totally agree. Um, I you know, I still prefer Belladonna era, but I do love John Bush's voice. I think he's a fantastic singer, and there's some great lyrics in there. There's some not so great lyrics in there, but overall, I think it's a it's a great it's a great piece from the Anthrax history. I mean, I think if you look at any full length record, if you really try to take it down as a whole and scrutinize it the way that we do, right. where we're like reading every lyric as it burns down. You're going to be hard pressed to find a record that's flawless, you know. There's a few out there, yeah. Even great lyricists. I mean, even some Pink Floyd records. You know, there's some lyrics on Pink Floyd records where you're like, okay, right. What What's the Anthrax fan base feeling now about this record? I think it's kind of like load reload in that people got older and they went back and revisited it. Like, wow, hmm. this is cool. And I'm maybe speaking to the like the OG thrash kind of fans that love State Euphoria, Among the Living, Persistence of Time, that heard this and it was such a stark difference from what they had done. Mm-hmm. And it's a new singer. At the time, kind of like Load and Reload, it was a shock. It was like, what is this? This is so different. There's no, I mean, there are some thrash elements on that for sure. Absolutely. But it was way different than what they had done before. The goofiness was gone. There was no knots and evil Nicofessin and all that stuff. Right. So I'd imagine most of those people have come back around to this record because. I certainly did. Somewhere in a storage unit in New York somewhere is a uh, a very sad dark room in which the knot costume is the knot man is yeah. being hung up for for a season. I'm sure it's back out on the road now. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying during this era. Yeah, oh, during this era for sure. I it, mean, it sat in a musty storage a, unit. About, he was in the band for about ten years. Ten years. I mean, he did like four records with him. What came after this? After this was Stomp Four Four Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one called "We've Come for You All." What else did he do? Uh, let me look that real quick. By Tar and the Snow Dog again, I, of course, yeah. Part two. Well, I mentioned this on Among the Living too. I've really got to spend some more time listening to these records. You, first impressions are important, right? I think we right. both agree. What, what did you just look this up, by the way? Yeah, I found it. Okay, so uh, "Sound of White Noise" Stomp Four Four Two. One called Volume Eight. The threat is real. Um, we've come for you all. And then they've done two more since with Belladonna. Okay. One's called Worship Music, which I kind of love. For, yeah, I saw the cover that's like pentagrams and shit. Yeah. I love it. Uh, first impressions are super important, right? Because they're, they're often a good indicator of how you feel about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, good shit's worth leaning into, and the, I could benefit from listening to all these again. Yeah, for sure. I felt that way about... Um, I really did feel that way about Countdown to Extinction also. Yeah, for sure. Even though I haven't listened to that. So. You know what? I did listen to that record again. Yeah? The next, the day after we recorded that episode, and I, liked okay. it. I was on a flight, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, I would love, I can't wait to hear uh, when we kind of make the circle again around the big four and come back to Anthrax and hear State of Euphoria. 
because it's a great continuation, I think, of Among the Living. Okay. Um, I think you would dig it. I mean, Among the Living and City of Four are my top two for sure. I think. I think next we should do Rest in Peace. Yeah. And then uh, we Slayer record. Maybe maybe Rain and Blood or South of Heaven. Yeah. But I feel like we already did South of Heaven era. We did Seasons in the Abyss, right? We did Seasons in the Abyss, which that's what eighty nine or early nineties. I thought that was... 80, 80, late eighties. Okay, I think Rain and Blood's eighty six, right? Yeah. So I like that we're ending the episode by talking about a lot of things we're not sure of. <laughs> that's this, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Maybe should I'm we look sure. it up? No, let's just not know. Yeah, let's not. Let's let everyone else find out for us. Well, this Explore the Big Four series is super fun. It is a good time because yeah. you know we really are exploring it together. I would love to bring Paul Moken in one of these, get his thoughts on stuff. Paul. You were definitely trying to edge me out of this goddamn gig, aren't you? I am you? not at all. I just, we, it, come on. Everyone knows we have a great time when Paul's in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking on one of these episodes where we're kind of analyzing lyrics. He's a songwriting guy. Yeah. Um, in addition to being a producer and stuff. So it'd be fun to, you know, listen to his perspective on some of his lyrics. I feel like he'd be a lot more generous and accepting of the material than me. Maybe so. Maybe not, though. Maybe something will come out of him. He'll, he'll, he'll be, become like the asshole producer. I've never seen him do that. I haven't either. It's probably impossible. Well, I am glad that everyone liked the Paul episode. It's, it, it is always a treat to have him with us. He is definitely our honorary third host. If he, mm-hmm. could, if he could be at every one of these we do, we would have him. Absolutely, yeah. If you like the show, go leave the review. Consider getting on the Patreon train, patreon.com slash metal up your podcast. And uh, what else should we say? Anything else? We're giving away two tickets to SNM2. Yep. You want to be a part of that. We're doing the drawing at the end of June. I bought a VHS version of Binge and Purge that I found on the road. I saw that, We're yeah. going to be giving that away to You're the patrons. That away. I, I, when I first saw your photo, I thought, oh, Clint's keeping that one. But you don't have a VCR. So. No, I'm not going to keep it. I have mine still. I have too much Metallica shit, dude. Yeah, it's true. Your garage is now Metallica storage unit. It really is. It's yeah. like almost embarrassing. <laughs> I, hey, I'd be proud. Well, we love all of you out there in Metal Up Your Podcast land. Write us an email. Let us know what you think about uh, Sound of White Noise or Anthrax in general, yeah. uh, if, if you prefer John Bush over Joey Belladonna, uh, what you'd like to see us do next. And uh, I guess having said all that, we'll get out of here and give everyone a break Let's and do say, it. peace, my babies. Adios, lovely. What does that mean? <laughs> Our advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>